Let's uh, go to the phone here. We've got uh, Jamal Colon with us here, and he is somebody who was in a horrible situation yesterday. You know, Jamal, I had heard of there this this breaking yesterday when I was on the air that a there was a shooting in the Hyde Park area. Uh, tragically, I, I believe uh, th- there was at least one person who was killed. You were in that area, I believe, um, and uh, was a pretty harrowing afternoon for you, Jamal. Thank you for uh, making time for us here to talk about it. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, you know, my heart goes out to the people that lost their lives. Obviously, yesterday in Hyde Park, um, it's not regular um, for people to be getting killed on college campuses. Um, it's not regular that kids got to go back to school today like nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. It's not regular for there to be shootings on broad day, a shootout on broad day with a um, a machine gun uh, in, in Hyde Park on 53rd and Harper. That's just not regular. So um, thank you for everybody reaching out to me and the text messages. I'm okay, but... Um, you know, the students aren't okay, and they don't have counselors in school, so i got to talk about it. Right, and, and so so one of them did happen on the campus, or was it near the campus? It was hard for me to understand. Yeah, one of the, the, the killings happened near the campus to a student, and, and, you know, the other one was a domestic violence dispute. But but even still, you know, you just don't, um, it's Hyde Park, you know, that's not, it, it's not, nothing like this really happens over here, you know. So I, um, everybody is, has a lot of trauma that they're going to have to work through, Um I've been shot at before, but at the same time, I, you know, I'm still jumpy when a leaf hits my cheek at this point. There's been so much going on. But um, I do want to say, though, you know, to whoever did the shooting yesterday, whoever shot at me, I just want them to know that, um, you know, I love them. And I want them to know that for me. Like, uh, you know, yeah, I know you don't hear that a lot, you know, but I want you to hear it from me loud and clear. Um, we all, You don't hear that from your mom or your dad or, or maybe you hear it sometimes, but you don't hear it regular enough. So. And I'm not just saying things to be saying things. I want the people to know that did that shooting that that's not the right way to go. You know, I love you. I want y'all to come up out of that thinking that you're in the trenches and thinking that you're in the field and thinking that you're shooting at your opposition. That's not the way to go. Come up out that mindset. But I want you to know that I love you. And and y'all, we need y'all to change things in Chicago. And it's going to be y'all time to leave sooner than y'all think. So I just want to leave with love. And that's that's how I feel. Then you are a leader. You plan to be, you're a congressional candidate running against Bobby Rush. Uh, you've been on the scene as, a, as an activist for some time. I know you're, you're giving compassion to the person behind that gun. And a lot of people might give you credit for that. A lot of people might say that that's, that's nuts. I mean, this is a, someone who nearly shot and killed you and took your life. Uh, do you know the yeah. circumstances behind this? You said that maybe retaliation. Is that what I heard you say? Maybe? Yeah, well, basically the circumstances around what people call gun violence is, you know, five things particularly. There's, you know, racial and economic injustice. Uh, there's high incarceration rates. There's high unemployment rates. There's poor neighborhoods. Um, there's under-resourced schools. And when you have those five things, I mean, that, I mean, the question isn't why is there shootings? It's like, why isn't there more? Because those are the perfect conditions for gun violence in Chicago. And so, like, that's, that's, we need, the nonprofits that are doing the work on the ground, we don't have a partner in federal government right now that can help. We need mental health in our schools. There's no counselors. And the kids, they can't work through their trauma. And so these were, I think it was teenagers, you know, I think it was teenagers that did it. But at the same time, like, um, I didn't get a really good look. Did you see the guns? Did you, how did you know to react? You're going to a lunch meeting, let's, and, and it's afternoon yeah. time, it's in Hyde Park. Uh, I guess it was some sort of lunch meeting you had there. Uh, and, and all of a sudden, what, you heard gun gunfire? How did it, how did it happen? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen, I've been in so many shootouts at this point that I knew it wasn't firecrackers that brought day. And so my first instinct is to dive to the ground. And I hurt myself diving underneath the car. Um, but then I, I was scared. So I got up and I started running for my life. And so, and that's when, as I was running, I saw a glass shattering while, while I was running. But, you know, you don't really look back to see what's going on. You just know, you know, when you have that, it's like almost a feeling in your stomach, you're going to die. 
And so everything slows down. And, like, you know, I've, I've had that happen to me before. So it's almost like my body has the muscle memory it takes to, to maneuver. And so I just – I hate that I've been through so much, much like that. But that's – you know, by the time you hear the shots, it's already over, you know. So you can't even react. It's how fast it happens. You just pray that you weren't hit because and, and, you can't feel it even when you are hit. Hmm. The last time it happened was what? What happened? And the last time I got shot was September 29th. I got shot in my arm, and I didn't even feel it. You know, I was just finished jogging three miles, and somebody shot me on the Lakeshore path. And um, and I didn't even know I was shot. You know, a lady had to tell me I was shot. I thought somebody's tires had popped on the highway, and a rock hit someone's windshield. I, that's how it sounded to me. And, um, you know, and but nope, I got shot in my bicep, and the bullets are still in my arm. And, um, and I just, I was all bloody from my leg, my shoe, my arm. I mean, I lost so much blood that I was, if I was hit somewhere vital, I wouldn't have made it. So, and I was just shot with a 22 or, you know, out of a pellet or a 22. I don't know what they shot me with, but it's just, I was shot. And so I went to the hospital at University of Chicago and they gave me a tetanus shot and stitched me up. I mean, not, not stitched me up, just told me they couldn't take the bullet out. And um, they had a trauma therapist to come talk to me and that was pretty much it. But hmm. like this happens where people don't make it in Chicago all the time. So. Well, right. And the trauma that remains, you reference that. You think of young kids who witness this. You think that kids who grow up in neighborhoods where they, they witness this regularly, if not maybe occasionally, but they certainly know it's there and, and the impact it has on them, whether they're, they're, they're shot or not. What? So if you run, you're running for Congress, what can you do about it? Give us that just about well, a minute I left. Got you. I mean, kids are going to 15 funerals, and, and by the time they're in ninth grade, there's no counselors. So we need publicly funded mental health services in our schools. You know, I, I feel like that's the number one thing. You know, we also need um, jobs with thriving wages, affordable housing. But number one thing is like you can Congress needs to step up and pass common sense gun control laws. But that's so tough nowadays. You probably have better luck. You know, advocating for mental health services on the south side of Chicago. So I'm going to go talk stories over policies and try to move people and let them know what it's really like. So that's, that's, that's my goal is just to have a sense of, it's not really what you're saying. Like Congressman Rush is a legend. It's not what you're saying. It's how you're saying it and having a sense of urgency. We don't have that. And as far as the nonprofits there, we don't have a partner in federal government right now. We're putting up our own money to start programs. We got to have somebody go to DC and force the eyes of the nation on the South side of Chicago and say, look what's happening when you have to order your food through bulletproof glass windows every day. Mm -hmm. Look what's happening when helicopters are flying over our house. This is ridiculous. And we have to, you have to speak with that sense of urgency, and that's that's where I'm gonna bring it—a sense of urgency that we don't have right now. I know you've raised a lot of a, a lot of um, attention to these causes through my block, my hood, my city. You're the founder of that, and now you're a congressional candidate, Jamal. Jamal, I'm glad you're okay, and uh, thank you for sharing your story with us. I appreciate y'all having me. Y'all be safe out here. Peace. You too, Jamal. Call there. All right, we hear a lot about carjackings in the news. Maze Jackson is a radio host and uh, someone I've come to know a bit from uh, being on Windy City Live with him. You were actually targeted yesterday, and I know you're speaking out, making sure people hear your story, Maze. It's, um, how are you doing today? I mean, I just, I hear from people who have lived through this, and it is not, you know, it doesn't matter, you get hurt or not, it's something that definitely impacts you. How are you? Uh, well, first of all, thank you for having me, and thank you to your audience. Uh, I, I, I'm i going to tell you, I was yesterday, I was in a surreal state of existence. It was kind of like I, it was, it, it was all happening, and I felt like I was watching it all from outside, out, like an out-of-body experience. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I woke up this morning, and I felt a bit more... I felt a lot better. I felt a little bit more triumphant because uh, I felt like I had actually lived through the situation and then comparing it to the situation that had happened 
at the University of Chicago where the young gentleman was killed, mm-hmm. um, I I felt a sense of peace somewhat. But I'm going to tell you that there is, it, it must have been the most harrowing experience of my life. And when this guy jumped in my car and drove off and almost dragged me down the street, I got to tell you, it, 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 it shakes you up a lot. Mm-hmm. It shakes you up a lot. I heard you say I'm good physically, but mentally, whoa, I definitely got caught slipping. You said you just you, you, you just you're feeling it later. You, I, I don't know. Is it just is it that you survived and you're thinking, oh, my God, are you just thinking how this could happen? It must have happened so quickly. Uh, yeah. You know, what I'm going to tell you, I one of my biggest fears, I do the morning show. So every day I'm up in the morning early and there's, it's really still. So I'm always looking around for anything or anybody moving. This was at 10 o'clock, about 1030 in the, in the, in the morning. Mm -hmm. And one of my biggest fears was being carjacked. And here I just let my guard down. I got bumped by what was a stolen uh, uniform truck. And then I got to be honest, the guy jumped out of the car and I looked at the truck and I looked at him and, and I really didn't, I was not on guard like I typically am. And then by the time he jumped in the car, I realized that he was literally trying to steal my car. And and so I jumped in the car and we fought until he drove off. But I, I, when I said I got caught slipping, I just never would have thought that I would have gotten carjacked by a white guy on the south side of Chicago on 24th of Michigan at 10 o'clock in a uniform delivery truck. Right. I think, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. If it would have been, a black guy, two black guys, and jumping out of the car, I probably would have approached that situation very differently. It was even crazier because I understood, because the two people that watched it from across the street uh, said that they didn't help because they assumed that I was the carjacker. And it it, it was just like almost like a complete episode of Bizarro World. They got your car? They got your stuff? Are you going to get any of that back? Are there is I, I got it. So let me tell you, I um shout out to Apple and and to all the iPhone <laughs> users out there. That uh find my iPhone actually they tracked it and within 2 hours the Aurora police uh, police had helped me track it down. I actually talked to the dispatcher and told her what had happened and she just stayed on the phone with me and over a 20 minute period she worked with me to track the phone and the police caught the guy at, at a Jimmy John, and when they saw him, he ran, and they caught him. And uh, I'm actually at Area Three headquarters now, oh. about to go in and and uh, and go point the finger at him. They said that so many people say that they're not gonna, they just want their car and they walk away. But I think it's important that uh, I'm gonna follow through all the way with this and hope that he gets prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Well, we won't hold you back from that. I just want to say I did enjoy you in Being Blago. I watched the documentary that's on Hulu, and I saw you on it, Maze, and you did an amazing job of trying to put that crazy story into perspective. Well, thank you so much. I mean, it was really, it was a really a fun uh, opportunity, and I'm going to tell you, I had no clue it would come out the way that it did. Yeah, it was but I good. think that those guys did a really good job. And it, it had me on the edge of my seat. So thanks for watching and thanks for the compliment. Yeah, of course, Mace. Thanks for your time and good luck with the police and the case as it moves forward. Keep us posted. I certainly shall. Thank you so much for having